This is Alive with Joseph. As I open tonight, I want to tell you a story briefly of something that happened in 1175 in an area in northern Europe called Mongolia. And uh, at the time, a boy who was just 13 years old inherited land from his father, and he became a man at 13, as it were. He inherited this land, and he began to move through the countryside, gathering men around him, gathering uh, soldiers around him, and he developed what's called marauding bands. And after a short while, he had become a great warrior and a military strategist, and he soon had two million men under his command. And they called him Genghis Khan. Anyone remember that? Genghis Khan. And Genghis Khan ruled over more territory than any man in history, obviously other than Jesus, but he ruled over more territory than any man in history. When he finally passed away, he handed the kingdom over to his grandson called Kublai Khan. Anyone heard of these men? Genghis Khan, Kublai Khan. And Kublai Khan ruled over this entire territory, the largest landmass at the time or country known to man. And he ruled and he had in his court two men. You may remember their names. The one was an uncle and the one was a son and their surname was Polo. They were the family of the famous explorer Marco Polo. And they were in Kublai Khan's court. And at the exact same time that they were in Kublai Khan's court, listen to this, St. Francis of Assisi was preaching in Europe and thousands were coming to Christ. The Polos, the son and uncle, began to tell Kublai Khan about the move of God in Europe and our thousands were coming to Jesus. He said, I want you to go to the Vatican and I want you to get missionaries to come out here, get a hundred missionaries and bring them to the Mongols and the Chinese and I will have more converts in my kingdom than all of Europe. So they left and they traveled back and they requested a hundred missionaries come. Well, only two friars were willing to come. And on the journey, in fact, that's when Marco Polo went with them, the son and the uncle, back to Kublai Khan. On the journey, the friars changed their minds, and they were afraid of the Chinese and the Mongols, and they turned and went back. When they got to the actual palace of Kublai Khan, he asked, where are the missionaries? And they said, sadly, sir, none have come. And that window of opportunity for that entire world to be reached with the gospel was closed. They had missed what I call a divine God opportunity. There is in your life God opportunities when God is moving and working and doing something and unless you take them or recognize them, you can miss them. And God has presented our world with many opportunities that many of us have missed. As we look tonight, I want to say this to you. I want to give you the definition of a God opportunity. It's a set of circumstances that enable progress or breakthrough. How many of you want to experience progress and breakthrough? God presents opportunities. And here's the thing. When we see the opportunity, we need to seize it. And so the title of the message tonight, if you're making notes, is this. Seizing our God-given opportunities. We are living in a time of divine 
opportunity right now after COVID, and we need to recognize the opportunities and seize them. Are you with me? In Ephesians 4, uh, sorry, Ephesians 5 and verse 14, Paul writing to the Ephesians says this. He says, that is why it is said, wake up sleeper and rise from death and Christ will shine on you. So be careful how you live. Don't live like ignorant people, but like wise people. In other words, you need to be sensible. How many of you know Christianity isn't just emotional? It's also mental. You need to have wisdom. You can't just be excited in church. You need to know what to do when you leave church. Otherwise, we dance in here, we sing, we carry on, and then we go out, we're like, huh? That's why I do a lot of teaching, because I believe we have, as Africans, a lot of emotion. But we need, with our emotion, wisdom. Can you say amen? And so Paul goes on to say here, notice this, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, make good use of every opportunity. That tells me that the opportunities we don't use. He's saying, when you see it, grab it. Use it. Make every use of every opportunity you have because these are evil days. In other words, the, the, the English calls it a dichotomy. It's evil, but there's opportunity. Some people, when they see evil, they think there's no opportunity. No, no, danger doesn't mean opportunity. It just means it's, it's challenging. And he goes on to say here, don't be fools then, but try to find out what the Lord wants you to do. In other words, it's not always obvious. You've got to look and you've got to discern. And then he says this and he gives good advice to us. Do not get drunk with wine. That's how you cope with pressure and evil days. We don't do that. Come on now. We don't do that. Which will only ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Chaos and difficulty is often an opportunity for God to work in us and through us. And we mustn't look at evil and difficulty and think there's no opportunity. T.D. Jakes said it like this in speaking about danger and opportunity. He said the chaos of the times create the conqueror in the man. You look at things and you see challenges, you discern what God's will is, and then you seize opportunity. And the context of this passage that we read is troubled times, yet the Holy Spirit will give us strength to seize opportunity. We don't use alcohol to cope with our problems. We rely on the Holy Ghost. And we move forward for progress and breakthrough. There's a Chinese Christian called Christiana Tsai. She suffered from a debilitating disease much, much of her life. And she wrote a book called Queen of the Dark Chamber. She said this, once a great Chinese scholar said, a sage seeks opportunities in difficulties and a fool finds difficulties in opportunities. We are born to overcome difficulties through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see difficulties in opportunities or do you see opportunities in difficulties? Let me remind you before I unpack this tonight that the devil also understands opportunity. The Bible says that he came into, to, to Jesus sorry, in the wilderness and he tested him and tempted him. And then it says this, don't forget this. It says, and he left unto land opportune time. The devil recognizes there's times when he can get you, there are times when he can't. And God wants us to understand opportunity and seize the God-given opportunities in our lives. Let's understand some things about seizing God-given opportunities. I've got eight of them tonight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And I hope this helps you think differently tonight. Let's have a look at them. Number one, the first thing about seizing God-given opportunities is that opportunities come in seasons. 
There's a season of opportunity and then it passes. And you've got to grab it while it's there. The window of opportunity passed for those missionaries to reach the Mongolians and the Chinese. There would have been an opportunity to have more Christians there than ever. But someone was not willing to seize it. You read the book of Acts chapter 27, and Paul for two years lived in a rented house. And people were allowed to come to him. Do you know what that was? A season of opportunity before he died. And we've got to seize our seasons of opportunity and recognize them. I believe post-COVID, people are hungry. People are eager to get back to church. People are needy for a touch of God. I've never seen people so hungry to have hands laid on them as I see now. When we call people forward at church, we can't cope because the aisles are blocked right up to the back. It takes us a half an hour, 45 minutes to pray for people. So what we do is at the end of the service, we say, if you want prayer, stay behind. And the prayer team stands down the front and we pray for people over a half an hour because there's a new hunger. It's a season of opportunity. Pastors need to recognize it. People need to recognize it. A season of grace and a season of planting and rebuilding and creating. You know, at the end of World War II, after the planet was devastated, and especially Japan, Japan was bombed to pieces, the uh, island of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, were totally obliterated, and General Douglas MacArthur, he came back to the American Christians and was speaking to them, and he said to them, you need to send as many missionaries as possible to Japan, thousands if possible, because the devastation of the war has left the Japanese open and hungry to the truth. The churches of America, this article says, sent less than 100. Today, the population of Japan is 125 million and less than 1% is Christian. A season of opportunity was missed. What's God presenting you with right at the moment? that you need to seize hold of. You need discernment, Paul says. We need to be wise, and we need to see and find out what the Lord's will is. Number two, the second thing about seizing God-given opportunities is opportunities come to everyone. Did you hear me tonight? Opportunities come to everyone. And we speak of people without opportunities. We speak about equal opportunities. But let me say this to you from the Bible. If you are alive, you have opportunity. Because while you have breath and have life, you have opportunity. God gives everybody opportunities. He even gives the unsaved opportunities. Let me read you a scripture. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So in other words, even if you don't serve God, you have opportunity. We must stop blaming people for our lack of opportunity. The rich. The political system, our eyes need to be on God. Lord, you have seasons, and I have an opportunity. Show me my opportunity. Help me to seize it. Can you say amen? amen? And so we need to recognize our opportunities despite wealth or poverty. I was reading recently the book of Ecclesiastes, and Solomon made this pronunciation. In fact, he, he says that recognizing opportunity is more important than education. Stay with me here. Recognizing opportunity is more important than education. And I know a lot of South Africans say, if I was better educated, I'd have opportunity. It's not true. In fact, we've got South Africans that are overeducated who can't find jobs. You recognize opportunity, you can be a person who can prosper. And a lot of the successful entrepreneurs in the world are not highly educated. They recognized opportunity. Now look what Solomon says here. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. 
He says, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. The factors for success that we think are key, Solomon lists them, the swift, the wise, the brilliant, the learned. He says, no, no, they aren't the key to success. The key to success is the ability to spot God-given opportunities. Can you say amen? And successful people and leaders have a keen eye for opportunities. Dr. Robert Schuller, the late Dr. Robert Schuller said, high achievers spot rich opportunities swiftly and make big decisions quickly and move into action immediately. You see, you want to be successful and you want to be a high achiever, you've got to learn to recognize opportunity and seize it. And it's a skill that can be learned if you don't know it. And God is a God of opportunity. He's a God of seasonal opportunity. And opportunities come to everyone. If any of you watch soccer, and ladies, forgive me tonight, I hope this illustration makes sense. If you watch soccer sometimes, you'll find that one team can be very dominant. They're always on that side of the field, and they have what's called the majority of the ball possession. But you know what I've noticed? Just let one of them slip up, and the opposing team gets the opportunity and they dart to the other end of the field and they score. And everyone is shocked that that team is one nil down. What was the difference? They took an opportunity, recognized a weakness, and they scored. And listen, if the game of life is against you and you think others have got possession, start looking for your God-given opportunities and change the run of play. When I came to Santa and I was asked to go there 30 years ago, as an Assemblies of God pastor, I was on the leadership of Assemblies of God at the time. And uh, they asked me, would you go to Santa? And the church has been split. The people have left and started a church down the road, and they're busy building a building. There's 70 people left. When I got there, I, I, I didn't like Johannesburg. I grew up in Cape Town. I didn't want to come here. The church I had in Cape Town was strong and thriving. The people drew up a petition so that I wouldn't be moved, and they sent it to the Assemblies of God. That's how I came to Joburg. Everyone wants my church now, but they didn't see it when I got there. And when I got there, they said, couldn't they find anybody else? <laughs> I had someone take me by my jacket in the foyer one day. And he said, if you ever say that from the pulpit again, I will. And he used F words. And they weren't fun, friendship, or fellowship. <laughs> that was my beginning. But when we were there for a couple of months, I said to my wife, God has put us here. This is a God opportunity, and I'm not going to fight it. I stopped talking about Cape Town. We started recognizing that we could expand. Maybe we could grow a church of 500. Maybe we could grow a church of 1,000. Uh, I never dreamed that God would give us five campuses, that collectively we would have 15,000 people in church. But I began to recognize and began to look next door and see the houses next door. And I saw if these houses, we don't buy them, they're going to be building townhouses here because that's what they've done in the whole area. And, and, the, and the property developers are looking for the season of opportunity. People are leaving the country. The white people with all their big properties and their tennis courts. They're running away from South Africa during the 1990s and immigrating. And I started buying those properties and buying them up. And today, we've got 11 properties all together. We've built a large auditorium there. A challenging time, a difficult season was a God-given opportunity. And we've got to recognize them. Listen to me. My point is this. We all have opportunities. 
God gives everyone opportunities. And you know what? Let me say this to you. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The book of Zechariah says, God often starts with small things. I started with a church of 70 people in a little building. The pews were broken. The people used to sit on the pews and fall through, and the, the members used to laugh. <laughs> what a way to grow a church. And God starts everything with small things. Jesus, the Savior of the world, came as a baby. Isn't that the truth? You see, you've got to recognize opportunity. Look at a couple of small things here. Five loaves and two fish was the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Hmm? Faith is a mustard seed. Can grow a large tree. Hmm? And large ships, the Bible says in James, are driven by small rudders. Often small things lead to big things. Listen to me tonight. You have opportunity. If you work in a job that you think is a dead-end job, maybe you're upset every time someone complains. You're like, yeah, let's go dance on the street. Let's hold up a poster. Let's complain. No, no. Start seeing a God-given opportunity where you can be faithful, where you're faithful with little, faithful with much. Don't see it as a dead end. The devil's blocking me. Maybe God's put you there to learn something. Hmm? You don't have to go to university. You can learn with your eyes. Learn as much as you can and then go open your own business. Why do you have to work for someone? God gives opportunity to everyone. I love what Martin Luther King said. He said, all labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. You have something given to you. Seize it and use it in Jesus' name. Number three, the third thing is God creates opportunities. God creates opportunities. He gives us each something with which to work. How many of you know the parable of the talents in Matthew 25? One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. The man with five had the potential and the opportunity to make five more. The man with two had the potential to add two more. So everyone's got something. Even the man with one had an opportunity to double it. So God creates opportunities. Here's the problem. The man with five used the opportunity. The man with two used the opportunity, but the man with one complained about the opportunity. And we need to use our God-given opportunities. God creates them, and they often are small, and if we use them, we can grow our lives. You know, if you think about the opportunities that you see in Scripture, they, they are quite amazing. Often a challenge, and I'll talk about it in a moment, is, is, is God opening up an opportunity. Think of Samson. Do you know that when Samson, in Judges chapter 14, when Samson began to be attracted to a Philistine woman, it was actually a God opportunity. Judges 14, let me read it to you. You all with me? It says, Samson told his father... Get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, watch this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. Chaos and difficulty can be a God opportunity. I believe that I didn't end up in Santon by accident. God used the chaos and the difficulty and saw me in Cape Town being faithful with little. And he said, you know what? This is an opportunity. I'm going to position you. It just took me months to recognize it. But once I recognized it and seized it, we've seen amazing growth. God works in seasons. 
He gives opportunities to all. And sometimes opportunity is clothed as difficulty. Number four, let me explain this to you. Opportunities come disguised as problems and opposition. Opportunities come disguised as problems and opposition. I don't know if you realize it, but when an opportunity comes, when you finish writing, look up. When an opportunity comes, it doesn't have a sign on the front. Opportunity. If it did, we'd be like, ah, there's an opportunity. What happens is, when opportunity comes, it's like this. And we look, is that an opportunity? And then as opportunity goes, there's a sign on the back. And we go, oh, but by that time it's gone. Are you with me? And the reason we don't recognize opportunities, and this is my point here, is they become disguised as problems in opposition. What is in your life at the moment as a problem and as an opposition? It could be a God opportunity. Even your job with a difficult boss. Stop seeing it from a political, social point of view where everyone's trying to make you angry about everything. Start saying, Lord, are you perhaps like Joseph putting me here? Wasn't the prison and Potiphar's house the potential for an opportunity? We don't recognize it often, but they often come dressed as problems and opposition. Let me remind you of the story of David and Goliath. David went to the battlefront to bring cheeses to his brothers. His father said, go and deliver these. He said, I will. And he took the food and he came to the battlefront. Can I remind you, if you study 2 Samuel, you'll see that when King David was on the run, a man called Barzillai brought him cheeses. Faithful in little, God will reward you. So when you give your tithes and offerings, don't be in a hurry, just wait. God doesn't forget. But nonetheless, that's not the story. David and Goliath. So David ends up, if you like, accidentally at the battlefront. And what does he find? They don't say, hey, we've been looking for you. He sees a problem. Goliath is threatening Israel, but he recognizes a God opportunity. Are you with me? And many of us, when we see Goliath, we run away. God says, no, face him. This is your moment of breakthrough. And so David is there facing a problem, and this is what happens. Some people are paralyzed by problems. Others are inspired by them. Saul was paralyzed for 40 days and 40 nights. All he said was a problem. He didn't see opportunity. David arrives and he sees an opportunity and he's energized. And we need to recognize this when we face challenges. John Maxwell said, when problems confront successful leaders, they get excited about the opportunity. Let me read that again. When problems confront successful leaders, they get excited about the opportunity. Notice what the Apostle Paul says about challenges and opportunity. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8. He says, I will stay here in Ephesus until the day of Pentecost. There is a real opportunity here for great and worthwhile work. Notice this, even though there are many opponents. Can you see opportunity and challenge come together? Start looking past the problem and see the God-given opportunity. Pastor Mensah Ottable has become a wonderful friend of, of Rivers Church. From, he's from Ghana. He says, great opposition gives birth to great opportunities. You might be in business tonight and you've had some challenges. I want to encourage you to press on. Press through them. You don't always get it right the first time. I was recently in America and the guy who drove me, 
uh, interesting man. I found out he owns five shops. Yeah, I said to him, what do you do? He says, I sell pizza. And, uh, and my pizza's called Fat Zach's Pizza. I said, that's wonderful. He said, let me tell you my story. He said, I opened my first shop one week before COVID lockdown. I said, what? He said, I couldn't understand it. I felt it was the Lord. I felt I was ready. We spent the money. We fitted the shop out. We had all the, the equipment, the, the pizza oven, the tables and everything. I printed brochures and, and you know, pamphlets and, and I was ready to go. And we had a delivery truck and then COVID and they locked us down. I said, what did you do? He says, I recognized an opportunity. I said, what do you mean? He said, I took all the equipment and I put it in the delivery truck and I decided to go to all the gated communities where the people wouldn't go out and I parked by the front gate and then I sent the pamphlets into the whole of the gated community. And he said, the people came out and they bought and they bought and we bought another truck and we bought another truck and we bought another truck. By the time lockdown ended, I had to open so many shops because people knew about me. <laughs> Problems can lead to God opportunities. It's a case of recognizing them and seizing them instead of complaining. You know, we had a car park problem at Santon. We couldn't park cars. They were all over the street. People were walking in the mud. We were scared of children getting knocked over. The neighbors were complaining. And I remember the neighbors, they wanted to have a meeting with me. We want to meet with you, Pastor Andre. I said, sure. And they came and they sat in my office. I'll never forget it. It's about 20 years ago. And they said to me, these people are driving us crazy parking on our lawns. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. They just keep coming. <laughs> they were disarmed. They were like, oh, okay. They, they began to sympathize with me. See, sometimes you mustn't fight. You need wisdom. And in the end, they understood. And then we eventually realized, hey, we can be the first church in the country to build a parking garage. They're building them at shopping centers. So we went to council and we said, hey, can we go underground? Can we go up? They said, we'll allow you two levels up and one level down. So where you could previously park 80 cars, you can now park 600 cars. Opportunity in difficulty. Did you know how silk was discovered? How many of you know what silk is? One of the most beautiful substances in the world. Let me tell you, it was through a difficulty. The uh, emperor of China, 2,700 BC, before Jesus, he asked his wife, Si Ling Shi, if she would have a look at his mulberry trees because there were holes in the leaves. She said, yes, my husband, I will look. And she went out and began to study the mulberry trees in their garden and noticed there was a worm, a little worm, gray worm was eating the mulberry leaves. And then she noticed when she watched them ah, that they spun a cocoon. And then, you know, the, 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 the worm was transformed into a moth. And she said, ah, oh, this is interesting. She took the cocoon. She took it home. And while she was drinking tea, she dropped it in the hot water. And she noticed it came loose. And then she unstrung it and realized there's a thread. And turns out the thread was half a mile long. And she said, maybe we can weave this. And so she went to the weavers and she said, can you come up with a loom that we can weave this? And they began to weave and they came up with silk. And when people touched the silk, they wanted it because no one had ever felt anything so beautiful and so gentle. And for hundreds of years, thousands of years, the Chinese had the secret to silk. That's how silk came, from a problem of holes in leaves. Let me finish the story because in AD 522, AD 522, the West wanted to know how silk was made. 
So if you want to know how something is made, you don't send business people to China. You send monks. They sent two monks with hollow staffs. They said, find out what it is and bring it back. So they brought back the worms and the mulberry leaves, and that's how all the silk came to the West, until eventually the West was no longer dependent on China, and the West was producing its own silk. A problem started a great industry. Look for God opportunities in your challenges. Can you say amen? Number five. Number five, we must seize them or they will pass. We must seize them or they will pass. Doors of opportunity do not stay open forever. As I said in point number one, they come in seasons. So we must seize them or they will pass. Do you remember when David faced Goliath? It was 40 days and 40 nights that Goliath taunted Israel. Hear me here. 40 days and 40 nights. That's longer than a month. That's longer than from payday to payday. And what happened during that time? Nothing. Israel did nothing, but I want you to remember this. God also did nothing. Did God love Israel? Of course he did. Were they his people? He was in covenant with them. But it took someone, Saul only saw danger, David saw opportunity. And he recognized that there was a window. Saul saw a giant, David saw an open forehead. And he seized the opportunity, used that moment broke the deadlock and brought breakthrough. That's what opportunities do. They bring breakthrough. Am I making sense tonight? And so opportunity, listen to me, opportunity has what's called a shelf life. If you don't seize it, you will lose it. And Jesus himself recognized opportunities. In John chapter 9, he says, we must work while it is day, for night comes when no one can work. Jesus knew that there was an opportunity to reach people and preach the gospel. And uh, Leonard Ravenhill, the, re the, the revivalist, he said this. He says, the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. You've got to see that there's a window and opportunities, you need to seize them or they will pass. And there's often in Scripture the opportunities that come up and people seize them. How many of you remember the story of the king in 2 Kings chapter 13 at the end of Elisha's life? Jehoash, he is, uh, he, he, Elisha is sick and he's about to pass on and he goes to King Jehoash and he says to him, I want you to take your bow and your arrow and shoot this arrow out the window. Anyone remember that? And he says as he does, that's the arrow of the Lord. You know, you just shoot it and God will work. But then he says something interesting. He says, I want you to take the rest of the arrows and I want you to beat them on the ground. And he only beats them three times. And Elisha says, you should have beat them more times because now you will only, you will only uh, beat the Amalekites three times. In other words, you had an opportunity, but you didn't recognize it. You thought it was up to God when God's saying it's up to you. And if you let it pass, you will miss it. And we've got to seize God-given opportunities. We've got to position ourselves to take hold of them or they will pass us by. Number six, are you still with me? We must not be blind to opportunities. Not be blind to opportunities. The Bible says in Luke's gospel that Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you had known the time of your visitation. They didn't recognize the Son of God was in the midst. They were blind to Messiah coming along. And I believe a lot of people are blind to opportunities. You know why? Because they've become victims. 
Let me remind you here today, and listen to me, if you can please receive this from me. Most governments in the world are trying to make you dependent on them. And you think it's the answer to your life. Look at me, vote for me, and I will look after you. Can I tell you that in 28 years, that's not happened in South Africa? And yet we keep voting for the same people? And I'm against apartheid, I'm against racism, I'm against total deprivation and poverty. We've got four and a half million people living in shacks. I'm against that. But governments, even including the American government, make you feel like a victim, and then they come like your father. Don't listen to it. I wrote a book about it called Taking Control of Your Life. Because when you give control of your life to other people and you blame people and you blame banks and you blame this person and you blame white people or you blame Asians for taking your jobs and you start becoming a victim, you lose control of your life and you don't see opportunity and you become a, you become a person who has no control. But when you take control of your life and you say, I serve the Lord and the Lord is my light and salvation and He gives opportunity, suddenly everything changes. And opportunities will open up for you all over the place don't be blind and don't be blinded to opportunity. Can you say amen? Yeah. I read a fascinating story about a Kenyan man. His name is uh, Julius Mwali. And uh, he went walking barefoot in his village to becoming a billionaire in the U.S. Not in Kenya. He became a billionaire in U.S. dollars. How did he do it? Let me tell you the story. He enrolled in a college or university as we call it here, in, uh, to do a diploma in telecommunications engineering. He said, technology wasn't popular amongst my peers, but I saw an opportunity where there was a larger market than any other professional career. He said, I knew by getting a technology qualification, I could compete with any person in the world. While being a dentist or a doctor would be very good, I knew being a doctor in Kenya would limit me to the Kenyan environment only. However, being a telecommunications engineer would be global. I'd be able to access resources globally. He was not blind. He caught something, saw something, and then when he studied, it paid off, and he ended up becoming a billionaire. Why? Because he didn't just settle for what everyone else did. He didn't settle for the safe. He was not blind to opportunity. I've got two more. Are you ready? Number seven, opportunities seized lead to other opportunities. If you seize the God-given opportunities, they often open up other opportunities. Now, we don't have time to read all this, but how, how many of you know that when Joseph interpreted the butler and baker's dream in the prison, that opportunity opened up the opportunity for him to interpret Pharaoh's dream? See, when you seize one, it opens up other doors. But we're looking for the Pharaoh one. We want the Pharaoh one first. I'm in prison. Now they must take me out and they must take me up here. No, no. You first do what's at hand. And then you trust God to open up the others. And small opportunities seized often lead to bigger opportunities. Think of the book of Acts chapter 6. You see seven men being appointed to serve tables. And they faithfully serve tables. But guess what? From that small opportunity, two men emerge. One's called Philip becomes the evangelist to Africa, to the treasurer of Candace the Queen. And the other one emerges called Stephen, preaches one of the longest sermons in the Bible, and becomes the first martyr. Small beginning, seizing the opportunity to serve tables, becomes something greater. Are you with me? 
And when we seize opportunities, God opens up greater doors. F.B. Meyer said this. He said, don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. Number eight. Have you been helped tonight? Hopefully you've received something. This is very important and this should encourage you. God opportunities, though lost, can be found again. Never think it's over. It's not over until we die. And as long as we have breath, even if we lose opportunities, we can often trust God for more. Are you with me? And I'll give you an example of that. Do you remember the stories that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15? He told three parables. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. I expected you to answer me there. Are you all going to sleep? Is it too hot in here? Now watch this. The parable of the lost coin. Someone lost the coin. The parable of the lost sheep, it lost itself because it was stupid. The parable of the son got lost because he was rebellious. Don't spend your time looking for lost Christians that are rebellious. But look for coins who someone else may have led astray. And look for sheep who are stupid, who have fallen into sin. With too many pastors who chase after lost sons. No, no, you wait for lost sons to come back. Then you receive them. That's not my message. Here's what I want to say. The lady who lost the coin, she swept the house until she found it. She uncovered a lost opportunity. And in your life, when opportunity is lost, you must look and stir your life and begin to become active in prayer and active in work so that they can be uncovered because it's there. You just can't see it. That which lies on the surface is often not valuable. That which is stirred up is valuable. Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. Why? Because it can be hidden. It's there. It's an opportunity, but it's hidden. You've got to stir yourself because God gives it. And it can be covered, but you can find it again. Maybe in the room tonight you feel, oh, you know, I remember when. And life has passed me by. God says, no, no, no. I give opportunities to all. There are seasons of opportunity. Don't be blind to them. And when you've missed one, seek me and seek it, and I'll uncover it. Because God wants to bless us all. He wants to use us all. And he wants us to recognize we're living in a season of opportunity as I come to a close tonight, you'll remember what Elisha prayed over his servant. He prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And my prayer tonight for you is that God would open your eyes. Amen? And that you would see what you've never seen before. And that you would seize what you've never seized before. And before I pray with you, let me say this. Samson missed his calling. He didn't recognize the opportunities to defeat the Philistines. But what did he do right at the end of his life? When his eyes were gone, when he couldn't see, he said to the little boy, take my hands and put them against the pillars that I might again find the opportunity. And then he pushed down the temple and he killed more people in his death than in his life. You see, opportunity, though lost, can be regained. Maybe tonight we need to pray that twofold prayer. Lord, open my eyes and Lord, let me feel again that which I've missed. And show me how to get the breakthrough. Come stand up with me quickly. And we're going to pray. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on now. Begin to, begin to speak in tongues or begin to pray. Lord, show me opportunity. Say this with me. Lord, show me divine opportunities.
put my hands against your purposes and open my eyes that I might see the things in the Spirit that you're opening up for me. Direct my life. Inspire me. Let me see opportunity. Let me seize opportunity. Show me the giant's forehead that I might get the breakthrough in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have you been helped tonight? Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Ngogotcha. Till next time, God bless.